Welcome to the Mortification of Spin. I'm Todd Pruitt. I'm the teaching pastor at Church of the Savior in Wayne, Pennsylvania. And uh, my cohort here is... Uh, Carl Truman, the only pastor at Cornerstone OPC Church in Ambler, and also professor of church history at Westminster Theological Seminary. Well, Carl, first of all, not to mention your, uh, uh, your abhorrence for um, arts pastors, uh, you know a thing or two about theological controversy, or as you would say, controversy. How do you say that? Sorry, the uh, mic's not wor- working. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Controversy. Con- controversy. I say it correctly. I, absolutely, absolutely. Controversy. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to be able to pull that off, so I'll say it the correct way. Controversy. Can- but controversy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> now, I think a previous uh, podcast I'd mentioned the cover of your book, uh, uh, Fools Rush In, Where Monkeys Fear to Tread, and, and you're pictured on the front quite appropriately ready for a duel. Um, and it's a funny, it's a bit of a caricature. For instance, the, there, there's there's hair on your head in that picture, um, which we... we Ouch. Yes, yes. Uh, but, 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 but. Uh, it was an old picture. I didn't ask them to put hair on. They used an old picture. But I have more wrinkles on my face uh, well, as well. So it's a wash. It's which, a wash. Sure, sure it is. Uh, but... I, I do think someone in your position that you've held in a seminary, but also a pastor too, like myself and like you are now, um, finds themselves himself in a situation where controversy rises up and it has to be dealt with. I would imagine there are pastors listening to this right now who have quite a few scars and wounds on their body, so to speak, uh, from being involved in various uh, controversies in their church or perhaps outside of the church. Sometimes those controversies are unnecessary. Sometimes they are uh, very necessary. Sometimes to enter into some of those controversies might be a sin. Other times to avoid them is uh, a sin. And I think wisdom is knowing the difference. Controversy in Great Neck over where some high school students have been going to eat their lunch. The question tonight is a local synagogue going too far by mixing pizza with prayer. You're no stranger to controversy in your role as a seminary professor and administrator. You've had to deal with controversy and anybody paying much attention to the evangelical landscape over the last six years or so is familiar um, with some things that you have had to be involved in. And I say um, intentionally that you've had to be involved in because I believe uh, the controversy, particularly that you're most well known for, if I can say it that way, is something you had to enter into. Um, Feel free to say anything more about that you would like, as well as perhaps maybe a few lessons learned um, in your role at Westminster Seminary Uh, that might be helpful for pastors and other Christians as they deal with controversial issues, theologically in particular. You know, I'm I'm totally confused, Todd. I I haven't got a clue what you're talking (laughs) about. I I don't recognize myself in the picture you've drawn. Well, Uh, you know, just I I read about it in Wichita, Kansas, so uh, so the news did get around. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think there are a number of points that can be made here. The first one is uh, theological seminaries uh, have a peculiar responsibility to the church world because we are training the next generation of 
ministers, of pastors. What is said in a uh, seminary lecture theater today is going to be preached from a pulpit tomorrow. Right. What comes forth today is extremely nuanced and sophisticated academic argument today is going to be rather unnuanced, straightforward statement in a sermon mm -hmm. tomorrow. So seminaries have a peculiar responsibility to, first of all, to the church, uh, to make sure that what is taught in their classrooms is exactly what their confessional statements or documents claim is taught in their classrooms. Mm -hmm. So when I look back at the, the Westminster incident where we were dealing with a particular individual who was teaching in the Old Testament uh, faculty and published a book, which many of us, when it first came out, regarded as being uh, ambiguous uh, if not very weak on the issue of Old Testament inspiration and authority. That was an important challenge for us because we realized what's coming out in this book is presumably what's being taught in the classroom and what's being taught in the classroom will be transferred to the uh, church in a very, very rapid succession. So the, the issue of the book really brought things to a head and our responsibility to the church community made it an imperative. Now, there are those who would say, you know, Christians should never engage in theological controversy, uh, that Christianity is an ethic, it's a way of life. It's about, you know, to put it in crude terms, it's about being nice to people right. and about affirming people in their identity. That, unfortunately, is not the New Testament's account of Christianity. At Romans 16, Paul talks about a couple of characters who have been divisive. Why? Because they're, you know, they've engaged in controversy, because they've been nasty to people. No, they're divisive because they've departed from the teaching. It is those who deviate from true teaching who are the truly divisive ones. Right. So the need to deal with false teaching or aberrant teaching in a decisive and firm way is absolute mm -hmm. within Christian organizations, whether we're talking churches or seminaries. Of course, that's not to say that controversy can't be engaged in in a sinful way. One could engage in controversy over matters that don't really ultimately have a massive impact on the gospel. Whether you should wear white shirts or blue shirts mm -hmm. to church on Sunday, it's not an issue to have a bust up over. Whether the Old Testament is inspired, whether Adam was a historical figure, whether Christ really died and rose again, these are things that are absolutely central to the gospel and to the Christian faith need to be maintained by seminaries. And when people emerge who, who deny those things or offer accounts of Scripture that weaken and undermine those things, they need to be dealt with decisively. One must always engage in controversy in a way that is prayerful, in a way that is self-critical. The great fear for myself when I was dean and sort of piloting the uh, the prosecution of this faculty member was, this can become a way of life. You can become like a, a combat veteran, sort of bloodthirsty and always looking for the next kill and always raising the bar mm -hmm. on orthodoxy that little bit higher. That's where I think a good elaborate confession like the Westminster Standards and a good strong governing board are also useful. But controversy is necessary. It's necessary for the maintenance of the faith. And it's necessary to do it today in order to make sure that there is a Christian faith 70 years from now. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was younger in pastoral ministry and I saw certain pastors and uh, in certain theological institutions, for instance, I was raised Southern Baptist, so I was able to observe from afar the drama that took place at Southern Seminary. I looked at those types of situations as a younger pastor in almost kind of an idealistic way, a romantic way. And 
now, after a number of years in pastoral ministry, I've, I've learned that however necessary certain controversies are, they are very painful. And you certainly experienced this. You're uh, a man who has flaws like all of us, and so when somebody says cruel and unkind things, uh, it hurts. You have a wife, you have children. Um, the, the younger pastor who wants to march torch ablaze right into a controversy because he thinks that he has romantic notions about it. He should be disabused of those notions immediately, don't you think? Absolutely. I mean, my wife, we had anonymous phone calls to the house. I had threats of legal action made against me. Uh, I had, I think at one point, somebody told me, I, I didn't really keep up with these things, but I think there were two websites mm. devoted to trying to terminate my career at Westminster. It, it, it was hard and, and very unpleasant. And of course, when you're dealing with a seminary situation, there are there's employment law. Right. So it's not as simple as saying, this person's an aberrant teacher, get rid of them. First of all, justice demands that there's a proper process that you go through. Everybody's entitled to fair process, fair and due process. And secondly, there are state regulations concerning employment. This is what made it so amusing to me last year when they had this, uh, I think one of their men called it a kerfuffle <laughs> at the Gospel Coalition when a couple of their council members decided uh, to give T.D. Jakes a clean bill of right. health, a prosperity teaching uh, Unitarian. Right. Um, and it took them months to deal with it. Right. And I was told by one of the top guys, the top men at Gospel Coalition, you know, how long did it take you to deal with ends? Well, the answer is I had lawyers breathing down my right. neck. There are, there are protections in place right. for employees. Okay. If you're dealing with a voluntary organization, you should be able to deal with these things much quicker and much more decisively. Yes, absolutely. And the particular situation you refer to there uh, seemed to many of us to be so clear because we were having to deal with confusion suddenly over something as essential as the doctrine of the Trinity. And this has pastoral implications, because I know what it's like to speak with a member of the church, a member of a church, uh, a Christian church, which is Trinitarian, obviously, or else it's not a Christian church, who has great confusion over the doctrine of the Trinity. Now, when you have prominent evangelical pastors in a prominent evangelical organization, that not intentionally, but nevertheless, introduces confusion into something as essential as the doctrine of the Trinity. Now you're messing around in my pool because I have parishioners whose souls I'm charged to care for who are being influenced by these men with national and international ministries. And it's, I, I remember being told, well, you need to contact that person privately if you have a problem, which of course is hogwash. You don't. Con Some of these men, you have to go through five different secretaries and administrators to get through to them in the first place. The other point, obviously, is that this was a public controversy. These men made this issue public. Yeah, so it's not a private sin. It was it's not public a private teaching, sin. and public teaching needs public public rebuke. Absolutely. Uh, and with the T.D. Jakes situation, clearly. again, you're not dealing with, with a man who only was a oneness Pentecostal, but his uh, his his well known uh, embrace and preaching of uh, the prosperity heresy 
again, is an issue of pastoral concern because if, if I have men whose names, whose ministries are respected, who have national influence, and they suddenly seem to give their approval to a man who strongly, full-throatedly uh, endorses a view of faith which is heretical and deeply damaging. Now they've left me with a mess I have to deal with in the church that I pastor. This is a new phenomenon. This is uh, something that, because of the communication age, has made things much more difficult for pastors. Apple keeps a pretty short leash on app developers. Apps that contain explicit content are typically smited by the tech lord to oversee the app store. But one app has flown under the radar and people are up in arms. Boyfriend Trainer is an app for both Apple and Android that allows users to punish and discipline their cartoon boyfriends. The girlfriend is encouraged to slap, mace, and electrocute their boyfriend if he fails to do things like pick his shirt up off the ground. Begging the question, what if the app was the other Please way don't speak around? out of turn, Lee. We've talked about this. Sorry. But you mentioned something from Romans, which, which is very important, that those who introduce theological confusion into the church, these are the divisive ones. And it reminds me of the qualifications for elders. All of the qualifications for elders, save one, are enjoined upon all Christians elsewhere in the New Testament. Being gentle, uh, being a good manager of your household, etc. But there's this one qualification that is only enjoined upon the elder, and that is to be able to teach the word. In Titus, it's even stronger, this image of uh, being able to instruct in sound doctrine and silence those who contradict it, because many are coming into the church who will sow this sort of uh, confusion. Well, that is a prescription for entering into controversy. The New Testament is saying to elders, to pastors, there are controversies that you're going to have to enter into because you're going to have to silence people. And let's not forget that is the exact context, of course, in the pastoral epistles. In 1 Timothy, right. Paul is wanting elders appointed because we have these false teachers. They don't know exactly what they're doing, but they're teaching something wrong about the law. They're teaching myths and genealogies rather than pressing home the moral demands of the law. And Paul's solution to that is not simply, you know, Timothy, teach the truth. Right. It's also put in place the bodyguards, right. the men who can help enforce this. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that leads to a, a further point about theological controversy, and that is it assumes a hierarchy and a structure. Right. Theological controversy, there is a way of pursuing it, and, and it is primarily to be pursued by those who are ordained to the task. Right. It's a church thing, primarily. Yes, and, and it's connected to the offices of, of ministry, which in, in some cases in certain churches makes it more difficult. Low church settings, if you like. Um, make this sort of responsibility more difficult. I, I know what it's like to be on the staff of a, of a large um, Southern Baptist church, uh, basically an eldership of one, the senior pastor, um, the, the laymen in charge of what is oftentimes elder-type duties would be the deacons, but because they're not ordained or recognized as elders, they don't have the responsibility of elders. And so the job of oversight was very, very, very difficult. Um, in fact, in some cases, almost um, non-existent. But the pastor who, who wants to take this seriously needs to know that there's a, a cost, there's a price to pay for stepping in and silencing, um, to use Paul's words, uh, someone who is teaching what is false, correcting them. 
Yeah. Paul, though, of course, uses very strong language. These people are to be handed over to Satan. Right. Is the way he talks. Which about is really it. tough in sentimental evangelicalism. Yeah. Where where the mm. highest expression of Christian faithfulness is being nice, where love and niceness are oftentimes conflated. Um, and so where, where gentleness is oftentimes just a, a one-dimensional caricature mm. um, of you know, itself. Whenever I think of you, Tal, I always think of the conflation of love and niceness, you know, <laughs> that you have just described yourself to a T, brother. Well, I, yes, I appreciate that. I, I always have a feather touch uh, on these issues, uh, no, no doubt about it. But I think uh, you know, as, we, as we sort of wrap this up, I think uh, I very much appreciate your comment that the theological controversy is not a glamorous thing. No. Uh, if I can, I actually quote uh, Pete Enns, who was, of course, the man at the yes. center of the Westminster controversy. He once said to me, this was in pre-controversial days, he once said to me that uh, theology is a great hobby and a nightmare profession. Mm. And I think there's a lot of truth in that, that those who've actually been on the inside of, of theological controversies know it's hard to sit in a room and take a decision that's going to cost a guy his health insurance. Right. It could cost him his career that could cost him his public reputation. These are not things that are to be done lightly. They're not to be gloried in or reveled in. They may be necessary, but it is, it's like an amputation. It is a, a necessary cruelty, mm -hmm. one might put right. it that way. And we can be sure that from now until Christ returns, the church will be in controversy. We will continue to have to deal with these issues in our institutions and in our churches, and to think otherwise is just simply not realistic. Just to close then on the note of necessary cruelty, I do have to say that uh, looking at your hair today, <laughs> it doesn't appear that you have any moral high ground no. on the, uh, no. the hirsute nature of your crown, it, brother. It is true, and what I have to say, I am not bald, but I am balding. And uh, every time I go to the barber shop, it is a, it is another depressing um, situation. To be sure, I, I have a, my my youngest son, who's twelve, who has the exact same kind of hair that I do, is teasing me about being bald, and I've had to give him the encouraging news that when he's my age, he will encounter the same affliction. So I have that to look forward to. I only pray that I live long enough to see him bald um, for the necessary revenge. So. Well, thanks very much for listening to The Mortification of Spin. Don't forget to visit our website. Uh, you'll notice there there's a large donate button. Uh, please <laughs> press that and help uh, keep uh, uh, Bob Brady in skinny jeans and uh, cool hipster glasses. I've been your host, uh, Carl Truman, and I pass over now for a final word to my fellow Yule Brinner lookalike, uh, Todd Pruitt. <laughs> Again, we do appreciate your time. We hope this is helpful for you. Do get a chance to, uh, to peruse the website. And if you can, make a donation to the Alliance. They do and have continued to do wonderful work. And it would be greatly appreciated. Thank you. Thank you.